chapter 6, for a continued study here through the book of Luke, Luke chapter 6 tonight. Let's pray one more time. God, I pray that you bless your word. God, I pray that you continue to speak to us, God, even in the worship. It's been so sweet to sing to you and be with you and just to hear the words in the songs, Lord. Many times it's just like you speaking to us, and I thank you for your love, God. And so, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would bless this time, bless your word, encourage us, lift us up, and change us. In Jesus' name, amen. April 28, 1984. I don't know if you guys recognize that date. I mentioned that before. If you don't, you have a bad memory. No, just joking. Well, April 28, 1984 was one of the most happiest days of my life. I was filled with so much joy. I couldn't stop smiling. For five year, after five years of dating, Kristen and I were married on that date. And I remember feeling a little nervous. Well, not really too nervous, but I was more excited and overwhelmed with excitement. And as I saw my bride come down with her father at her side, it just got even more excitement and more just joy you know i'm just so excited and i don't know if you remember christina i don't know if i had a smile on my face or not but even through the whole ceremony it was so great you know and it's one of those moments you just go wow wow i remember even um during the middle of the service um a baby cried right who is that um lisa's, lisa's daughter missy. missy i guess she got stuck stuck with the brooch or something yeah and uh, uh, the corsage and also in the middle. Even, even that didn't deter my smiling and, and happiness at, at that time. And it was just a wonderful moment, you know. I remember just, uh, um, just how we, we were just both smiling. It was just such a wonderful, happy day. And I remember when we were taking pictures afterwards, you know, we, just, we had to smile for the camera, right? But I remember my face hurting because we are just smiling so much, you know with those muscles and everything actually hurt. But it was a super blessed day way back then, April 28, 1984. Do you remember that? Oh, good. She still remembers it. And good memories. That's good. Well, what puts a smile on your face? What makes you full of joy? It's usually blessings from God, right? Psalm 144.15 says, Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. And that's the secret. This is the secret to putting a smile on your face. Well, tonight, as we get into the book of Luke and our next section here in the gospel here, we come to what is commonly called the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. Now, that word, Beatitudes, comes from the Latin word Beatido. Beatitudo. I can't speak Latin. It's all Latin to me. But anyway, uh, uh, it means blessings, and it refers to the state of blessings. So we're going to be looking into the Beatitudes, Luke's version of it, and it this shows you really how you can always have the smile of blessedness. And that's the title of the message tonight, the smile of blessedness. Uh, we're going to be studying Luke chapter 6 from verse 17 through 26 tonight, and our outline, we're going to see three things, is the power of love, the place of joy, and the proverbs of woes. 
So though, this is what we're going to be covering in this passage. So let's begin here with number one in our outline, the power of love, the power of love. And we're going to be covering uh, verse 17 through 19. So let's take a look. We'll read that right now. It says in verse 17 of Luke chapter 6, And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him to be healed of their diseases and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. Verse 19, And all the crowd sought to touch him for power came out from him and healed them all. So we begin here with Jesus here in verse 17. It says that Jesus, he came down with them and stood on a level place. Now, so he's coming down to this area. We don't know exactly where this is. And let me explain. It could, it could have been in the middle of some plain. It was a flat place. It was a level place, kind of like that. But let me explain. Um, we're not sure. Uh, some people, though, believe it's the same location as Matthew chapter 5. Now, that's where the real... Beatitudes, uh, when we first read the Gospels of Matthew 5, where they come out, there's a lot more detail in that, uh, more than what we're going to read and study here tonight. But some say that it, it's, it's there, it's just described a little differently, but uh, I tend to say it is a different place, and some believe that also, because in Matthew 5 it says that Jesus went up to the mountain, which was a hill actually, and there he taught the the Beatitudes. And in Israel, there's a place they, they kind of coined it, the Mount of Beatitudes, on the North Shore of Galilee, where uh, this is where it's believed he taught the Beatitudes. And being on the side of a hill probably made a natural amphitheater with people sitting all around the hill there. But here it seems different because he came down. He didn't go up. So it could be that this is a different area, a different time when he taught the Beatitudes. And I I tend to believe that you can study this on your own. And, and it, you know, just because um, he taught it once, it, it doesn't mean Jesus couldn't teach it again, right? And this time it's a little bit different. I mean, same things, but, but not as in detail as what we see in Matthew 5 or the same exact wording. So Jesus could have taught it again. Maybe there's a different set of people and all, but I, we don't know exactly. And when we get to heaven, we'll really know and find out. So if you're really like on the edge of seat wanting to know, just wait till you go to heaven. And it could be soon because the rapture's coming. Well, anyway, so he, he gets to this place and there he stood on that level place with a great crowd of his disciples. So interesting, it says a great crowd. Remember, I mentioned last week that uh, there's probably 70 to 100 disciples following him now. People uh, guys are following him. But last week we saw he chose 12 to be the leaders. He chose 12 to train to be the apostles. So there's the 12, there's the disciples. But not only that, Luke writes, and a great multitude of people. So a great crowd came and they were from all over. Matter of fact, what he was trying to say, they came from the south, from Judea, Jerusalem, southern Israel. And they came from the, the north, even beyond Israel, on the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, which is on the, the shores of the Mediterranean, up in the north, north of Israel there. So they, all, they came out from the south and from the north. And that's probably the picture that Luke is putting here. But there was, there was a pretty huge crowd there. So... 
They came to hear Jesus. They says, it says in verse 18, who came to hear him. Notice, number one, they came to hear his preaching, right? Number two, and to be healed of their diseases. So they, many people came out not just to hear, but they needed healing, right? They were sick. They had sicknesses and disease and things like that. So they came uh, to see Jesus for that. And the third thing, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And what's unclean spirits? Demons, right? They're demon-possessed or they're being harassed or pressed by demons. And so they came to be freed of that, to be cured of that. So all kinds of situations are coming here, right? The, the sick, uh, the demon-possessed, people just want to hear the word of God. So they all came, and the disciples are there following Jesus, and the twelve that Jesus is, is training. And then Luke writes in verse 19, And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And I, I, I like that. Power came out of Jesus. They, Jesus was, through the power of the Spirit, was showing that he is Messiah God, that he's come to help people, to heal them. So the power came out of him. He was the one who did it. it. It wasn't like, you know, he did some incantation and the Spirit came and all. No, it was Jesus himself that went out. And, and, and heal people and cast out the demons and all. And I would even add powerfully preach and all that too. And notice the very last thing in verse 19, and healed them all. I love that, right? Nobody who came to Jesus who needed healing was denied. He healed them all. No one was left out. Uh, uh, whoever was sick, they just came. And, and I love that, that kind of thing. I just see his his heart there, right? No one left out. He came to minister, preach the word to them. And we're going to see what he says in the Beatitudes. He came to help people who were sick and just suffering there. And those who were just under the control of these demonic spirits, he wanted to help them too. And they're just in despair and all this. And he helped each one of them who had a need. And I want you to get that in your mind because you have to understand. See, there was this thinking back then that if, if you were like healthy, you were blessed. God's favor was upon you. But if you got sick or ailments or, or, or something happened, you know, and you couldn't walk or, you, you know, the use of your legs, arms or anything like that, then it's like, oh, you know what? You must have done something wrong and God doesn't favor you anymore. And, and then think about, especially if you're demon-possessed, oh, for sure, oh, you're, you know what, God, God's just pushing you away, that kind of thing. So that was the thinking. So you can imagine when people start to hear Jesus, he's, he's healing, what, who is this guy, you know? They're coming out and they see the miracles and then they hear his preaching, that he's talking about God and he's talking about God's love. So you can imagine how Jesus changed or is changing that thinking by healing and casting out of these demons, he's showing, no, you can be blessed. You, I, God wants to bless you. God wants to show you that he does care. So, just in these three verses, this is what I want you to see. Jesus shows God's compassion through his healing power, and it's of love. That's what I, I really want to emphasize here. That he, he's saying, no, God loves you. He wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. You can be the so-called blessed here. You know, just come, just come. And 
I'm sure these people thought, well, how can I get over this sickness or this disease? There wasn't like modern medicine like today. And even today, there's, there's things we battle like, you know, there's no cure for cancer. Or, you know, there's, there's treatment and all, but there's not this magic thing, you, you know, shot you can take and it's all gone. And so it's a scary thing. And so think about how scared these, guys, these people are. And, and, and they're wondering, what's going on? Why are we suffering? God, why? But, you know, God shows God's compassion through his healing power of love. And, and this is how Jesus is reaching out right now. And, and as we come into these next verses, I want you to see that compassion, that love, the power that went out. It wasn't just, I'm the Messiah, I'm going to heal you. But it was with compassion to help and show the people that you can be blessed. I was reading um, last October's article, a staff member at a hospital in Montana was seen leaving a patient outside lying on the sidewalk. Like, roll. A man was visiting his mother-in-law, I guess looked out the window, they even filmed it and called the police. But uh, some staff in the hospital rolled a man out, uh, put him on the sidewalk and, and walked away with just lying on the sidewalk. I mean, crazy. And so the article's like, you know, everyone's shocked about that and the article's talking about the hospitals investigating the incident. But I was thinking about that because in this society, that's what it was like. People were sick, physically challenged, diseased, demon-possessed. They had no hope. They were the ones like left out on the sidewalk. Society, at least the healthy and the elite and rich, they, had, they, they wanted nothing to do with them. So you can imagine all these people coming out, hurting, suffering, in pain, in need, coming to see Jesus. And so know that tonight. Maybe you feel cast off. You know, maybe you feel like a nobody. Uh, maybe feeling like, oh, maybe I'm just a second place to God. Sometimes we get those thoughts. Oh, uh, someone once told me, oh, God, God blesses you, but, you know, pray for me because I'm not like that. I'm the second one. I'm the second child. But that's not true. And that's how these people look, felt like. But Jesus is coming, showing them with these physical miracles and healings that, no, God cares for you and he wants you to be blessed too. That's our God. He's a God of compassion. So this is the power of love. Now, let's go on to number two, the place of joy. The place of joy. Now, we're going to cover verses 20 to 23 in this section. But this is all the Beatitudes, and we're going to take them one by one in these Beatitudes. But we'll begin here in verse 20. And it says, And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. We'll stop there. Now, first of all, we see Jesus saying this, it's, or Luke writing that Jesus lifted up his eyes and he looked at his disciples. Now, with that, uh, through all these centuries, many there's been many views on this. Like, And as we read this, some of the Beatitudes seem very difficult to really attain. And they are goals, there are they are, um, it's been talked about being goals that we head toward. And in our study in Matthew long ago, I talked more about that because there was a little more, it was a little more precise in this. But, and, but this, this, this little uh, phrase here, he put his eyes on his disciples. Some people thought, well, it's really written for, for, for the disciples, you know, and leaders and all. But it's not so much that. I mean, I believe all the people were listening in also. It, it, it probably... I would say it's more 
for believers who have Christ in them to be able to understand this. But I think it's also for unbelievers to even understand how to come to God. So I think it's all wrapped up in here. You know what I think? We just came off of last week that Jesus choosing the 12, right? And what was he training them up to? To be the apostles that will take over, right? Uh, and when once Jesus ascends, they're going to go on with the work of ministry. Well, I think, he, uh, I, I believe this reference to putting his eyes on disciples, that he's, he's looking at them. This is part of their training, teaching that's going on. So however that is, we, we, again, we can find out in heaven, but you can study this in that way. So here's the, here's the we're going to see four positive Beatitudes. And the first one is really, blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor. And we see this in verse 20, it says, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now the word blessed literally is, oh, how happy are you, or oh, how favored of God are you so God's favor is on you so that's really the essence of the idea of being blessed and we know uh, what that means in our life and and if you think about it, that's what it is oh God's blessing God's favor God's grace God's you know gifts are to you God's love is upon you all those things right when we say well I'm so blessed today oh things are going great oh God's doing these things in my life so it's like God's favor so that's what blessed means here in the bible so so here's jesus right oh how favored you are or how blessed you guys who who's these guys you who are poor now you got to think about this crowd coming they're they're not the 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 high in society they're not rich you know and i was thinking about how uh you know, back then, there's not like grocery store, minute stop or something. You could just stop in and buy your food. I mean, a lot of these people had to go out and forage for food. and It, it was a hard life back then. And so when Jesus said, blessed you who are poor, they're probably thinking, what? Oh, poor? What? We're blessed? There's even thinking back then, if you're poor, you're not blessed. And God's favor is on the wealthy and, and, and the rich. So there's that kind of thinking too. But this is more than financial. I believe that Jesus is taking this idea of maybe monetary, but bringing it deeper into the sense of a spiritual poor. In Matthew, in his gospel, he adds, blessed are you the poor in spirit. So that's where we get the idea really that you know Jesus is talking more deeply here. And and so I, I believe that that's what's happening. I mean, he could be starting out with the monetary thing, but heading even deeper. And going deeper, you got to understand this now. The people felt poor in the spirit in the sense that they didn't feel like they had God's favor, right? And the Pharisees were, were, were pressing on them like, you guys are sinners, that's why you're poor, that's why you're sick. And see, we're, we're not sick, we're the Pharisees, we're holy guys, you know. And so they're pressing on them that there's something must be wrong on you. And on top of that, understand the legalism that was going on. I mean, uh, back then for Israel, they had to follow Moses' laws and the traditions and all the ceremonies and everything. Get this, back then, like the Pharisees taught the law and traditions, they required every person to follow 613 commandments perfectly perfectly you guys 248 were positive like what you you should do yeah 365 were negative what you should not do yeah 
So 613, that was put like a weight upon the people. If you don't follow each one, if you break one of the laws or traditions or all, you know, their, their rules and procedures and stuff, oh, you're a sinner. God, God's favor is not on you. The Pharisees prided themselves like, yeah, we're holy. We, we follow everything to a T. And we're going to find out they don't really, not in their heart. It was just this outward shoulder, hypocrites. But they walked around like, we're the blessed ones here, right? Because we're holy. We're, 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 we have this spiritual life. And so they would put down the common people saying, oh, you're so bad. God, God's blessing isn't on you. So think about that. With that background, this is revolutionary. When Jesus comes in and say, blessed are you guys who are poor in the spirit. And why is that? Then he says here, for yours is the kingdom of God. You know what? Not these guys. You guys. You guys that are spiritually poor. In other words, you guys, spiritually poor, you belong to God's people, to, to, to God. You, you're, 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 you're under His rule and reign here. And you have the benefits of God coming to you. You have like eternal life, blessings to enjoy. So what is he saying here? Well, Jesus is saying this. This this is a place of joy. This is a place of blessedness. The spiritually bankrupt are the blessed ones for they have nothing but to depend on God for help. Do you get that? Now think about that spiritually. These Pharisees thought, we can do the works. We can follow all the 600 commandments and all, right? These people are, oh, we don't do it. We've been, they've been telling us we don't do it. So they were spiritually bankrupt. They had nothing to offer God. But Jesus is coming saying, hey, when you're poor in spirit, when you're spiritually bankrupt, you know, you, yours is the kingdom. Why? Because now Jesus is going to come, die on the cross, and be the provision for our salvation. Not our works, right? We're saved by grace through faith. Yeah? Not of works. It's a gift, right? So not so that no one would boast. The Pharisees were boasting. But Jesus says, no, you know what? You, you guys are, this kingdom is yours because you guys know you're sinners. These guys, they don't. You guys know you need help. These guys don't. So Jesus is saying, yours is the kingdom of God. And they have nothing but to depend on God for help. And that's what happens, you guys. When we come to a place of spiritual bankruptcy, that's when... We see God's greatest strength and His greatest help. Uh, when we think we get them, then, yeah, that's when we fail. That's when we're really weak because we can't do it on our own. The Puritan John Flavel wrote, When God intends to fill a soul, He first makes it empty. When He intends to enrich a soul, He first makes it poor. When He intends to exalt a soul, He first makes it sensible to its own miseries, wants, and nothingness. Right? When we come to Jesus, it's because of the realization of our own sin and that we need a Savior. If we don't come to Jesus in that way, that's, that's against what Jesus is doing and against the gospel, right? If we come like we're okay, no, we cannot, we're not okay on our own. So God brings us, even after salvation, you know, or brings us to the cross, first of all, and we, we find forgiveness for sin, and then we start walking with God. And even after that, as He works in our heart, we have to come to Him with, in that brokenness, in that emptiness. Like, God, I can't do it. And He goes, that's right. But you know what? I can. And when you come to that place, that's 
that blessedness. Some people got to hit bottom, right? You know what I mean, right? Where we stop trying on our own, where we stop trying to do things on our own. And uh, Sometimes, I mean, I've hit bottom a couple times in my own life, but, you know, maybe you're at bottom. Well, that's a great place to be. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are you. Yours is the kingdom, you know. Maybe you're not there, but think about that. I think you got to hit bottom because that's the only place as human beings we end up turning to God. If not, we, we turn to ourselves, right? All right, so blessed are the poor. Number two, the second proverb is blessed are the hungry. Now, the first part of verse 21 says, Blessed are you who are hungry, hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Stop there. So, to be hungry is to be have that intense hunger, you know, starving, as the word talks about. Now, again, these people were poor. They needed food, but Jesus is going deeper. And we know this because in Matthew 5, 6, Matthew adds hunger for righteousness. So that means being right with God, a hunger for a relationship with God. So those who hunger for God to be right with God will be satisfied. They'll, they'll be fulfilled. They'll, they'll, they'll be full spiritually. So Jesus is saying this, the blessedness, the place of joy, the spiritual Spiritually hungry ones are the blessed ones, for they find fulfillment and satisfaction in Jesus. You know, we can go out in the world and try and find satisfaction. We can't, right? I can't get no satisfaction, like the song says. We can't. I tried, and I tried. I mean, I've tried things too. But the only thing that fulfills me, brings me contentment, is Jesus Christ. Think about the prodigal son. And, and I say this, think about what it means to be hungry. The prodigal son wasted all his inheritance, went out, right, on that worldly, wild living. He, he bought everything he ever wanted. He, he got everything, and then he just spent all his money, and then poof, friends were gone, everything was gone, remember? And he ended up working for some pig farmer, right? He's a Jewish guy, working for a pig farmer? That's bottom. Uh, and then as he's feeding the pigs, he's looking at the scraps there, food for pigs. And he began to what? He was hungry for food, but then he realized that was bottom, and he hungered for getting back to his father, right? Getting back home. So it wasn't until he was starving, you know, at that end that he hungered for his father. That's what Jesus is saying. When you get to this place where you're hungry for God and being right with God and wanting God and having a relationship with God, then you're satisfied. Then you're satisfied. Do you hunger for God like that? Do you hunger for, for Jesus? We should be. I do because I know he, He's my only contentment. He's, he's the only person that can fulfill me. All right, blessed are the poor, blessed are hungry, and number three, blessed are the broken. The second part of verse 21 now says, blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. So weeping, you know, speaks of, to me, is, as we're going along in context here of the spiritual aspect, is, is real tears like over sin, over your guilt, and over tears of lost lostness and again they, these guys are having a hard time they're sick Jesus heals them they're you know uh, they're demon possessed um, they're not they're struggling in life overall anyway 
and and so it's hard it's it's a hard life for them and yeah in 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 their life it's like that but even more so jesus goes deeper into that issue of sin and guilt and all that and the lostness and and the weeping is like the hungering like even more so wanting to get to god but jesus saying you know what Um, those blessed are those who weep right now for you know what you will laugh in other words you're going to get that blessedness. You're going to get that smile on your face. You're going to have joy because Jesus is going to come, forgive you, and be the atonement for your sins. And one day you will be eternally in heaven. And, oh, what joy is that going to be, right? And, and I'm sure there's, joy, there's a laughter of joy in heaven because you know how we love to laugh? We like jokes. We like joking with each other. It makes us feel good, right? Uh, there's a proverb about laughter being one of the best medicines and all. I think it's a part of joy, and I, I believe it's a part of heaven. So Jesus is saying this is the place of joy. The spiritually broken will find tears turn into joy when Jesus comes to save them from their sins. That's what Jesus is about, to bring in that joy. Turn over to Isaiah 61, Isaiah chapter 61, and there's a prophecy here about the Messiah, and I believe this is what Jesus is bringing into here. Isaiah 61, and uh, verse 3, but let's start with verse 1, because this is the prophecy of, of the Messiah and what with what we're reading about Jesus being there. Isaiah 61, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Then look, verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called the oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So in exchange for our weeping, in exchange for our mourning, Jesus wants to give you joy. Jesus wants to help you. Jesus wants to fill you. And, and I just love that. I just love that. That's what Jesus wants to do for us. Have you found maybe the world has nothing to offer but pain and suffering for the consequences of sin and wickedness? But you know what? You can go to Jesus and you can find true joy and learn how to laugh again. All right, so blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry, blessed are the broken, and number four is blessed are the rejected. And this is uh, the last positive Beatitudes here, the Beatitudes we're going to see. Verse 22 says, Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So, I, I like this. Yeah. The NLT reads, What blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man. And I like that because, you know what, today our world is changing because we're believers, we follow the Bible, 
we're considered doing evil. Because we follow Jesus, you guys are the bad ones. Holding to this, you know, not being tolerant, you know. But Jesus is saying, you're blessed if you are persecuted basically because of me, because of my name. Because Jesus says, hey, when that happens, he says, rejoice. You know, have joy there. Leap for joy. Jump around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm being persecuted. Yeah, woohoo. You know, kind of thing. I was thinking, that's so strange. But that's what the Lord is saying. Think about that. You know why? Because he said, great is your reward. God has a reward for you when you come against persecution like that. When you are ostracized. When you are, are when people hate you. When they, people revile you, mock you, come against you. And then Jesus said, remember, this is what their fathers, the unbelieving uh, fa- fathers, uh, how they persecuted their ancestors, did the same thing to the prophets of God of old. Same thing. So just remember that. In other words, you're among holy company. So Jesus is saying this, the place of joy is this, those rejected and persecuted are the blessed ones, for they will, greatly, uh, they will be greatly rewarded for standing with Jesus. Know that. There, there's a reward. There's the, actually, what we do in standing for Jesus, it's affecting the generations down the line. Yeah? And we're holding the torch right now. And generations before us were persecuted. Generations before that. In the Bible times, they were greatly persecuted. You know? But we're, we're a result and we're fruit of those who stood there. And, and no matter what. On a Nevada and Arizona borders is the Hoover Dam that was built between 1931 and 1935. 96 lives were lost on that project. When it was finally completed, the names of these 96 men who helped in turning a dust bowl into fertile, rich land was honored and memorialized on a plaque mounted on the wall of the dam. An inscription on the, on the plaque said, These died that the desert might rejoice and blossom as the rose. I love that. If you think about these apostles and the Christians from back then and how they held to Jesus and stood their ground even though being martyred and persecuted and, and, and Christianity was just starting, right? And just starting to spread. And the, des- the world was a desert. But look at the world now. Christianity is going into all parts of the world and we're believers as a result of that. We're like that blossoming rose here just like in this story. So, if you've been rejected and under persecution, rejoice. Jump around. Know there's a reward for you. And know it's not for nothing. And so you can have, even in persecution, the smile of blessedness. So, we see the power of love, the place of joy. In the last section, the Proverbs of woes. The Proverbs of woes. And we'll quickly go over these um, it's the last verses we're going to see from verse 24 through 26 but first look at verse 24 but woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation so as we get into this last section here jesus now switches or last section for tonight but jesus now switches from four positive to four negatives by using this word woe rather than blessed 
The opposite is woe, and woe means sorrow. It means regret. It's the opposite of being blessed. So, so Jesus now flips it around, and notice when he says here in this first woe, he says, woe to you who are rich, and that's the first one, woe to the rich. What was the other proverb uh, connected, really, the opposite of this is, blessed are you who are poor, right? For yours is the kingdom. But here, he's like, blessed are you who are rich, for you have received your con- consolation. So the rich he's talking about really the, the, um, the, the unbelievers, the wealthy unbelievers, I should say. I mean, there's nothing wrong having money. There's rich Christians and wealthy Christians, I should say. But Jesus talks about how riches can easily turn your heart away from God. How riches can easily make you depend on those riches, your wealth and what you've attained. Yeah, where you put your strength and all that. Opposite of what Jesus was saying, blessed are you guys in poor in spirit, where you totally depend on God. These guys are depending upon their own own works and their own things. And if you draw, move it into the Pharisees, they were self-righteous and, and they were prideful in that way. So And they were rich, actually. They're one of the wealthy. And so Jesus like, woe to you guys. Because you know what? You have your consolation. That means your comfort. Yeah. You have your comfort right now. Um, uh, you, do, you, those who they don't feel like they need God and they think they're self-sufficient and they got everything, okay, that's what you get. That's your comfort. So this proverb of woe basically says your smile is only temporary for without God, this is it. This, this is the riches you, you will have. I don't know if that came out right. <laughs> you know, this is all you get, basically. Uh, turn over to the right to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, verse 21, or I'm going to back up to even verse 15. Look at verse 15, just a couple pages over. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Jesus is talking and he said to them, Take care, verse 15, and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable in verse 16, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build large ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? In other words, he can't take it with him. Yeah. They're going to now belong to someone else. And he didn't prepare his soul. So, verse 21 is the one, Jesus says, who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich toward God. So, Jesus is saying, hey, your comfort, this, if, you know, woe to you guys, because this is all the comfort you're going to get. You're not focusing on your soul. So, number two, is woe to the satisfied. Number one is woe to the rich. And back to Luke chapter 6 now, verse 25. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. So stop right there. This is the second one. Woe to the satisfied. Again, it's the opposite of, of, of blessed are those who are hungry, right? Who hunger, are hungry now. Well, full, we know, means satisfied. And they're content with what the world needs. So it's like, no need Jesus. I don't care about God. And think about it this way. I'm happy to live without 
God. I'm all right. I don't need God. I get my things, right? But later, think about in eternity, like with the parable we saw, they will hunger. They will starve for God, especially after rejecting him and facing the consequences of rejecting him. So this proverb of woe basically says, your smile is only temporary, for without God, you, um, you will, your, your contentment will only last so long. Uh, I, I read how the actor Jim Carrey once said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. I mean, think of, I'm sure he has all the money, you know, he, he could ever want and from his movies and everything. And, and he says, it's not, it's not the answer. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not fulfilled. I'm still, I'm still not satisfied. All right, woe to the rich, woe to the satisfied. Number three, woe to the laughers, laughers. So the rest of verse 25, it says, Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. So again, the opposite of the weepers, right, the one weeping, uh, these guys seem happy now, but they will not be that way forever. So as same thing as we go along, this proverb will basically says, Your smile is only temporary, for without God, you know what? This is the happy, happiest you'll ever be. That's it. We can look forward to one day this ending and we be in heaven and being blessed and have that joy in heaven. But these guys, this is the happiest you're going to be. Actually, the future doesn't look too great. You know, I was thinking uh, years back, uh, a few years back, uh, we were witnessing it the first Friday in Wailuku. And I was walking around, we were handing out tracts and trying to share Jesus. And, you know, I, I stopped and to think and kind of watch people. And, you know, people are having fun and laughing, running around, eating, just having a good night, enjoying it all. I mean, there's a band playing, people dancing, you know, and of course, people drinking and all, and people just joking and all that, you know. And, and, and I was thinking about this, that this is the happiest they're going to be. You know, that's, that's really it. That's the happiest they're going to be. Because you know what? The next morning, they're going to have that hangover, right? But think about the happiest we are here uh, uh, without Christ, you know, when we're having fun like that and everything, that's the happiest you're going to be. And one day, it's going to go. It's only temporary. That's what Jesus is saying. It's like he's saying, think about this now. Yeah? You think you're happy? You think you got it all together? Well, that's it, you know. You got to think about your future. All right, number four, woe to the false believers. Woe to the rich, woe to the satisfied, woe to the laughers. And number four, woe to the false believers. Verse 26 says, Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. So when they speak well of you, it's, it's those who like being praised by crowds and you know, living, living for the applause and, yeah, I like that, you know. Well, I like the power and the notoriety and all of that. Well, you know what, but you, you guys can be just like those people, your fathers, your ancestors who reject, rejected God and praised the false prophets. That's what he's saying here. So this proverb of woe basically says, Your smile is only temporary, for by rejoice, uh, rejecting God, you're... You're following in the ways of the false prophets. You're, you're just going down that road of unbelief. They're not real. Yeah, they're not. They're they're, they're really 
hypocrites. And if you put, picture the Pharisees in this, I could almost see him describing them. They like that notoriety. They like the applause. They like people coming to them. They're jealous of Jesus because he's getting these giant crowds. You know, they want him to be the ones. But like their ancestors before them who didn't really follow God, they followed the false prophets. They wanted things done that they wanted. So they had their own prophets to say what they wanted to hear. That's what Jesus is saying. You know what? You, 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 your smile is only going to be temporary. That applause that you really like, it's only going to be temporary. So as we close up here, you want to be truly blessed? Well, it's the opposite of what we just read, right? Stay poor and dependent on God. Stay hungry for Jesus only. Stay broken and God will trade that with joy. Stay rejoicing when you are rejected because your reward will be great. And then you can keep smiling. It's about Jesus. I'll close with this story. One day a woman was walking through the train station in London, England, and uh, this man uh, stopped her and said, Excuse me, but I just wanted to thank you. Thank me? Questioned the woman. Yes, said the man. Let me explain. See, I used to be a ticket collector whenever, uh, and whenever you used to go by, you always gave me this happy smile and said, good morning to me. And you don't know what a difference that made for me. Rain or shine, rain or shine, you always came by and, you, and with a happy smile and you said, good morning. You did the same all the time. And it did wonders for my day. So I wondered, where did, where did she get that smile? Why is she always smiling? Then one day, one morning, you came by with a Bible in your hand. And I thought, maybe that's where you get your smile. So he explains to her that he went and bought a Bible and started reading it every day. And then he told her, soon I accepted Jesus Christ. Then the man finished by saying, and now... I can smile too. Well, with Jesus in your life, you and I, we can smile too. And we all can with the smile of blessedness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. And God, without you, how can we go on in this world? Without you, Lord, Why do we even try to go on? And sometimes we do. Lord, we leave our houses and go work without you, Lord. We try and handle situations without going to you first. We think about what's coming in the future and and we get all stressed and worried without going to you and seeking your guidance, and a word from you. Lord, with you in our lives, we can smile. We can have that joy, Lord. And we are blessed as we learn here. And and God, it just seems so illogical and opposite. But God, we are blessed when we're poor in spirit, when we're totally dependent upon you. And we are so blessed, God, if we're persecuted, God, that even in the midst of suffering, we can leap for joy. 
because we know there's a reward and fruit will come out of this. God, it's crazy to think of these things and trying to make logical sense, Lord. It, it, we, we shouldn't even try, but we should just trust you and understand these things and then see you work. So, Lord, here we are. I pray for each person who's here tonight and who may be connected in. And I ask, God, that you would give them a word, if not already. And if and they would take that word, Lord, that you would help us all take that word, bring it into our hearts, and help us live it out for you, God. So, Lord, we give you glory. We give you praise. And we thank you, God, for being the God who is so compassionate toward us, who has the power, God, to heal us and to help us, and has given us wisdom tonight and direction to know how we can be blessed and have a smile on our face. So help us today, God. Here's our life, Lord. We ask for your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen.